Hey everybody, it's Kate here, and I wanted to give you guys a heads up on the audio quality of today's episode. We ran into some technical challenges while recording, and we don't want that to take away from the value of this episode. Thanks for growing along with us. Enjoy. a very special episode for you today. Today, we're discussing branding in the busy world we live in with one of our favorite people, Sarah from Swell Design. All right, guys. Are you ready to talk about branding? Does everyone want to give a warm welcome to Sarah? Hi, Sarah. Hey, guys. I'm so happy that you guys had me on and I'm looking forward to talking with you. I feel like it was only right to have you on as our first guest because you've helped build everything with us on this podcast. So Megan, do you want to dive in? Yeah, I'm ready. I feel like our welcoming was like we were introducing Sarah to like our class of children. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone give a warm welcome. (laughs) All right, listeners, let's go. So Sarah, let's start out by telling the audience what you do, uh, who you serve, and why you do it. Sure. So I am a graphic designer, web designer, um, brand, help with brand strategy, and I work with small business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, typically women uh, who are just starting out in their business or have been in their business for a few years but are ready and more established and ready to make an investment in their brand. Hmm. Basically, she's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had the pleasure of working with both of you individually and now with the podcast. So that's been really fun to do all those different things with you two. Yeah, guys. I mean, we talk about Sarah like 24-7 on the podcast. I feel like every episode we're like, oh, yeah, Sarah, she did this or she did that. <laughs> But if you guys didn't know, Sarah did all of the branding for us for our um, our podcast, like all the colors and the she built our website, which like all grace to Sarah, because that would have taken Kate and I forever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the beautiful website is thanks to her. And she did our logo, obviously, and colors. And so it's yeah, she's been a blessing. So tell us um, also why you why you do what you do, why you love being a graphic designer. Yeah. So what I love about what I do is one that I get to talk to so many different people who do so many different things. So not only do I learn about design and keep up to date with design things, but I also get to learn about so many different industries that I otherwise probably would never know anything about. Um, I mean, I've had clients from, you know, career coaches to someone who in the New England area who started a business for a local theater targeting audiobook narrators to be <laughs> the that is people cool that are part in the theater yeah so so many different things that I one I didn't know existed or didn't know how they worked and I feel like it makes me so much more well versed in a variety of topics that I would yeah otherwise not really know anything about Well, it sounds like you get to dabble in all these facets of creativity. And I just love that. And it's so cool to see like all these people have a vision of what they want and 
they have like the creative idea, but they just don't know how to implement it. And so I like being kind of that bridge between what they know that they want, but don't know how to get. I love that. And it must be so interesting. It's a lot of like why I love what I do for the same, like you get to learn about so many different like walks of life as you're going through it. And like you said, like jobs that you didn't even know existed and you're like, oh yeah, you do kind of need branding for that. So that is super interesting. So how did you get started in the world of graphic design? So it's so funny because I always think about this as it's one of those situations where one decision could have very well changed the whole course of what I'm doing. And so when I was a junior in high school, in southern Indiana I took one of my electives I always chose something from the art department for my electives I took airbrushing and photography and all these different things and then my junior year I took computer graphics and me and my friend took it together and it was kind of just to be fun had no idea had never done anything like that I mean this was 2010 and after I took that class it was just that's all I wanted to do um, anytime I had a free period, I would go to that department, that classroom, and would volunteer to make shirts for some of our school's events. We would do a bike rally every year where we would all ride our bikes like three miles from town to school. <laughs> and so I did all the shirts for that for a couple of years, even after I graduated high school. And just the in talent the end, show. Right? Yes. <laughs> and, um, I would just volunteer to do all that kind of stuff just to learn more about it. And I started exclusively with Photoshop doing this kind of stuff. And then I had a, applied to Indiana University as one of my colleges. And my proposed major was actually interior design. And mm -hmm. then between that time of applying, you know, your junior year and taking this class, I ended up switching before I started at IU to be more graphic design. So, wow. So literally, like you said, like one little switch. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Have you ever thought about what your life, like how different your life would be if you went into interior design? Yeah, I, I think it would be a lot different. I think it would be a lot harder. And I think I definitely like this better. Uh, just being able to be home more. And you have to have a lot of materials to be an interior designer to like reference and you have to almost have a room or some kind of office dedicated to really do it uh, well. So, and it was once I went to IU and I started taking those classes, I never, I was one of the few out of my friend group, you know, that never changed their major, never wavered and I'm still super happy with what I'm doing. So. I think you found your calling, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so too. I really do. And it's funny because at IU, my, my degree is technically studio art. And so people are always like, oh, what, what does that mean? And, but I focused all my electives towards the graphic design part, but I had there, so I had to do, you know, the sculpture, the drawing, the color theory, all of that crazy stuff. But then I also did like 3D design and graphic design and typography and so I got a lot of different kinds of classes that I feel like made me really well rounded in what I learned that is so cool um sculpture is hard did you like mm -hmm. it so my class was technically like a 3d class so we would do like sculpture um wood plaster clay 
um, wire, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. <laughs> um, but it was very hard. I much prefer to work in a two dimensional space. Even when I, my senior year, I took a 3D virtual reality class. So we literally made like our own virtual world. And so that's like using a computer to create 3D elements, you know, and so that was very difficult <laughs> to wrap my head around making like 360 degrees of something on a computer. So crazy stuff. <laughs> that goes right in the boat of things that I don't understand, like how they build bridges and <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> way like, over my head. And like, it gave me a whole new respect for like video games, video game design things like that. I have no idea. It took me a whole semester. We did one project the whole semester and it was very mediocre. <laughs> so there are so many different avenues that you could have taken, obviously, if you went into all of these different areas and then you chose graphic design, but then what was like the pull for you to then go and work for small business owners rather than like a big firm or like there's so many different areas that you could go into? Yeah, so when I graduated um, from IU in 2015, I was engaged to my husband, and he already had a job and was working in a town in Indiana, and so I was looking for jobs like crazy there, super rural area. Uh, the town we lived in had like 6,000 people, wow. so I was like, how am I ever going to find a graphic design job in this area, and I got so lucky and found a graphic design social media coordinator position for a telecommunications company, which was like the best of both worlds. Cause I, not only did I have my degree in studio art, but I have a degree in telecommunications. And so it was like both of those things together and got the job, started working there, worked there for about a year, doing all their graphic design, um, all their social media. Then my husband got relocated to Charlotte, North Carolina. And that's when, you know, we had to move. And I kind of submitted a proposal with them to see if I could work from home. This was very out of the ordinary. Because like I said, this is a very traditional company. No one worked from home. And thankfully, they said, okay, well, we'll try it out on a trial basis. Um, I, in my head, thinking, okay, three to six months. And then they're going to let me go. And so they ended up contracting me out at 40 hours a week. So I was 1099. So I could kind of do whatever I wanted. They were technically my client now. And I was just working for them. So with the unknown, I started applying to new jobs in the South Charlotte area. I had a couple of interviews, nothing really panned out. Um, and I was getting pretty upset about it and just wondering, like, what am I going to do? I think this company's going to let me go. I don't really have anything. And so I just started trying to take on more freelance while I still had my, you know, expected paycheck coming from my company in Indiana. And they actually ended up keeping me on for three and a half years. <laughs> That's so awesome. We, yeah. So we moved to Charlotte in 2016. And so this whole time I was trying to build Swell Design while still working 35 to 40 hours a week traditional hours, eight to five, had to be on all the conference calls, had to be on all the meetings, lots of crazy stuff. And then in April of 2019, they decided they wanted someone local again. And at that point, I was probably working like 60 hours a week, because I was doing 40 hours for them, 
you know, give or take, and then also trying to build my own business. And it was something we had to talk about, you know, is this something I can do on my own? Do I need to find something else? Or do I just like, give it a try? And that's what we ended up deciding on. And it has been really good. And last year, I'm happy to say that I'm level with what I was making with the old company. So that's amazing, Sarah. And honestly, like I relate so much to your story because I kind of have a similar like transition into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So hats off to you. Yeah. Very, I'm very lucky that that's how it worked out. Not, not very many entrepreneurs get the luxury of knowing that they're going to have a paycheck while they're building. So Right. Kate and I were just talking about this on the last episode that it is so hard to build a business when you have the like financial stress of of like paying your bills and living on the actual business. Like if you have the time to be able to build something while you know that you're getting money coming in from somewhere, it like gives you all of the opportunity to just like build the business in whatever direction you need to. Yeah, definitely. Well, hey, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you for, was that 2020 that you matched? Yeah. And that, which is crazy because I took two months off for maternity leave. So. Dude. Yes. That is amazing. (laughs) She crushed it last year. Yeah. (laughs) For real. Like you took two months off for maternity leave and then you were a new mom and you like made as much as you would if you worked for yourself or worked for a company. Yeah. Yeah. And this year, hopefully we'll just keep on that trend. That's amazing. Anyway. Okay. So um, this leads us perfectly into our next question. So like this past year was incredibly successful for you and your baby just turned one, right? Yes. And actually a month ago today, he turned one. So December 7th, when we're recording this a month from today. So kind of crazy it's going so fast mm-hmm. like how did you balance like obviously all of us you know this whole show is about balancing how did you balance the growth within your family and then also within your business like was there anything that really helped you along the way or like any kind of tools that you use that was like life-saving what'd you do tell everybody yeah so it was an adjustment. And for anyone that does this and is especially, I think a new mom and doing this part of the struggle, I think is as soon as you get into a rhythm, your baby changes and the whole schedule has to change again. And it's just for someone like me who, I mean, even the whole time I've been an entrepreneur, I was working eight o'clock to five o'clock. I worked the same hours as my husband at my desk, in my office, you know, maybe go for a walk, maybe, you know, go downstairs, obviously eat lunch, but I really did stick to a pretty traditional work schedule. And as soon as he was born, obviously I took time off. And then in February started to kind of transition back in and you just have no idea how to schedule anything. Phone calls are super difficult, um, especially, you know, in COVID, I mean, I don't feel comfortable taking him to a daycare when I don't have to. And same thing with like having someone in our home watching him or taking him to someone else's home. So just kind of being okay with being upfront with people. And if I'm talking to someone for the first time telling them, hey, I have a one year old, (laughs) so you might hear him. Um, 
so I mean, that's more on like the personal side of things is just kind of like adjusting to not being afraid that people are going to get upset. And I think that 2020 has helped in that because a lot of people are dealing with this, mm-hmm. you know, having kids at home. But I would say in terms of like tools and how to keep everything on schedule, I mean, you guys talk about it a lot, but I use HoneyBook as well. And I never, and I probably still am not using it to its full capability because it's so dynamic, but I really took time at the beginning of 2020 when he was still not running around (laughs) to really dive in and try to automate a lot more things that I was just, it was taking time away, but it was easy stuff. It was stuff where if I would get a new inquiry, I would have to just like send the same email to them every time and kind of like pushing away the fear that it's going to go wrong, which I think what was holding me back, like, well, what if this automates the wrong way or doesn't Mm -hmm. respond to their inquiry correctly and just letting it do its thing (laughs) and not having to send specific emails for certain things and just having a ton of different email templates where maybe I'll go in and write a personalized introduction, couple sentences to make it, you know, because I do care and I want them to know that it is me, but not spending, I mean, even 10 minutes several times a week, that's a lot of time. (laughs) And doing things like that and just trying to have reasonable goals for myself. Um, One thing that I think even if you're not, a mom or anything like that. If you're a business owner, I think we get so hung up on giving people like these super specific deadlines Mm. and they don't care. (laughs) I used to do this to myself all the time. I would say, okay, thank you. I'll get this to you by Monday at 8am. Why do I do that to myself? Why do I do that? Or like Wednesday at 8am, just say Wednesday (laughs) (laughs) or like by the end of the week or mid to late you know the middle of the week or something make it more vague because you're just going to stress yourself out with those super strict deadlines it might be like some of your um corporate like nine to five like leftover uh habits that are like seeping over into Mm -hmm. that to Mm -hmm. make it so you're like you feel like you need to give a strict deadline or something Mm -hmm. i did the same thing people are super understanding so, but I would say those are the main tools having, I just, I have a great note uh, planner, just a consistent to-do list that I update every night and trying to pick out the priorities over things that I can do later or I can do tomorrow and no one's going to get upset. No, I love that. And I think that that's a big point that you were saying is just giving yourself some, I think a lot of what you're saying goes back to like boundaries, like setting boundaries in place and telling people, being honest with people, because your clients are going to understand that like you mm-hmm. have a baby. Like, well, and they don't, and they don't have any predetermined expectations in terms of timeline. You set that for them. So why set it to work against you? Right. Right. Yeah. And even like on calls and stuff, like the fact that I get that a lot too, when I'm calling clients and they'll like apologize for their dog or something going. And I'm like, we're all at home. Like, (laughs) yeah, I'm fine that that your dog is barking. Like, (laughs) yeah, my dog does it all the time and just a PSA if you guys hear a dog like chirping in the background it's my puppy downstairs <laughs> he wants his mom <laughs> yes 
Oh my God. Okay. Well, I, I think that's all really helpful, Sarah. And I think that a lot of moms will probably find a lot of solace in that. That's like, you, do not run yourself ragged, basically. Let's get a little bit more into like the branding side of things. So what would you say is something that like a business owner really can do to set themselves apart from others that are within the same field as them and in the same area? Okay. So the main thing is, especially if you know that there is someone else in your area doing what you do, research them, take a look at what they've got going on. Um, Cause you obviously don't want to accidentally have similar concepts or end up with something similar uh, to what's already out there because that's not going to help anybody. The other thing is I always tell people, okay, yes, because again, I'm working typically with one person, one person businesses or very small businesses to where there's still just one person making the decision. I always tell them, okay, this is your passion. This is something that you love. You have to connect with it. Obviously it has to fit within the realm of the industry, but if you don't connect with it on a personal level, then you're not going to be able to market it on a professional level and enjoy it and feel like it's part of who you are. So even when it comes down to say we've worked through a bunch of revisions of their logo and there's two options left and they really just can't decide. Sometimes I'll just ask them which one, when you look at it, do you feel the most happy? Do you feel the most connected to, even if it may not align with what they think their industry would prefer if it's something that they connect with more on a personal level, they're going to be able to resonate with it so much more. And I think in turn that outweighs choosing what you think everyone else will expect you to pick compared to what they actually really want and are drawn to. So I think that's one way you can stand out is just trying not to let outside elements dictate too much of your choice and listening to what you really want, because it is as much as the business is the business, it's mainly just you. People are going to do business with you because of who you are and how you treat them and because of you as a person. So I think that's more important and you have to be able to connect with, with the design that you choose and the brand that you decide to build. That is such a good point because a lot of business comes down to people connecting with people. Like you said, like at the end of the day, it's just you. So if your brand represents, if you're like branding and everything represents somebody else and it doesn't feel like you, your customers will also notice that. And they're going to see a disconnect between the two of like, oh, like this doesn't, I thought that they were going to be, you know, more serious or more you know I didn't realize that they were going to curse or something because they have this like front-facing idea of like who they think that they're supposed to be all right guys let's pause here and when we come back we'll have more questions for Sarah We know that getting your business off the ground can be overwhelming, and that's why we love working with Sarah at Swell Design. Not only can she bring your vision to life, but she is one of the best in the industry to work with. We have partnered with Sarah to extend a 10% discount off any branding package with the code BTB10. 
Guys, she is seriously a business saver. It is so easy to work with Sarah. She is organized, keeps you updated along the way, and helps you to find what matters most to your brand and business. Again, when you inquire through her website at www.swelldesign.me, she is offering 10% off any branding package with code BTB10. You do not want to miss this opportunity, guys, to uplevel your branding. All right, guys, we're back and we're going to dive right back in with Sarah. So Sarah, we know branding isn't just about colors, fonts, and a logo. So what are your tips for finding the brand voice and values that we kind of touched on with like people connecting with? Yeah. So obviously, like you said, it is part of the logo. It is part of the colors. It is part of the fonts, but more than anything, it's Again, just reiterating who you are and letting people know what they can expect if they were to become a client of yours. And that can be done in different ways. So if we talk about social media, everyone has different levels of being comfortable on social media. For me personally, I don't like talking into my camera on social media. I don't like talking in my Instagram stories. And so I just don't do it because that's not who I am. It's maybe once or twice a year, you'll see me do that. (laughs) (laughs) on very rare occasions but that doesn't mean that I still can't showcase who I am and more about my brand in other ways so I think one good way to do this is to write captions that are not I know I'm talking about social media a lot but I think that's where people get to know you the most and the most yep organically but I think you don't want to just be selling in your Instagram captions You don't really want to be selling ever that often unless you have something special to share. But more than anything, you just want to talk to people and talk to them in the way that you would talk to them if you're in person and showcase your personality and what's important to you and your values and your style. For me, that's, you know, I don't want to target certain clients. I don't want to work with big businesses who are super corporate So that's not the kind of work that I'm going to show. Even if I have some of that in my past that I could show, there's no point in me putting that out there because that's not who I want to work with now. So I think the main thing you can do is find what works for you. Do what feels comfortable. Don't, again, back to what we talked about earlier, don't put yourself in a box where you feel like you are trapped. Just let it come and do it and you'll figure out your own rhythm of talking to people and building your brand. And I think even for me, I've in the past six months, I've learned about that with my own brand, especially on social media. So it's a continuing process. And I would just challenge you to look within yourself and figure out what's important to you and how you can relay that information to the people that you want to work with. I love all that. And I think when you talk about what's important to you, that opens the doorway for people to connect with you and let what you're speaking to them resonate with them as well. So I love that. Everything you said, it was so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That was perfect. And I think that that's a big thing that I like to get across often. When I was first starting out in my business, I shared something like political on my page. And one of my family members had reached out to me and said, like, you really shouldn't do that because it's it could drive business away. And the way that I personally see it, and I know everybody sees this very differently, just like the world of politics, especially these days. But 
I see it as like, I believe in something so strong and I have such a strong value for human rights and all of these different issues that I don't ever want to like quiet myself from that because like we said before your brand is basically you like you should be sharing things that are close to you and you feel like need to be speak spoken about because at the end of the day the people that are your true ideal client are going to resonate with you on that and they're if anything is going to help them want to work with you even more because they feel connected in some way uh, it's, it's just going to make the whole experience so much better for both of you if you are what they expect and are looking for and vice versa. So the type of client, you're going to work so much better together. You're going to have the same, more similar personality types. And oftentimes I've found a more similar working style and the process seems to go much smoother when all of that lines up. I just wanted to add, like, just because some people do choose to like get political or share things doesn't mean everyone has to like me. I'm a little bit more reserved in that. And I use my voice on my personal profile because I like to keep the business side separate. Um, and that's just a per personal choice. So I just wanted to let everybody know, don't feel the pressure that you have to do that. Yes. Yeah, I, again, it's, it's just what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. That's funny. We actually had a talk, my boyfriend and I had a talk about that this morning, that like, it's like, that is something that it's a hard choice for people to make. And if that's not something that like, if you don't feel comfortable sharing about, you know, anything as far as like what are considered like taboo topics, then yeah, don't ever feel pressured. Kind of going back to like what Sarah said too, like follow what feels right for you at the end of the day. That's like life, business, everything. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So Sarah, tell us what some of the most common branding mistakes are that you see. So some of the most common branding mistakes. One of the things when I read this question initially was I don't like to call them mistakes for people who are just starting out because one, they don't know any better. And two, they're just trying to do whatever they can to get their business started without spending money. And I can appreciate that. And it takes a lot of moving parts to start a business and a lot of money. So if that's where you are in your journey is right in that starting stage and you want to try to tackle it yourself, I'm not ever going to look down on someone for doing that because that's what they need to do. However, once someone gets to the point or they're at the point, even when they first start, but they have the resources to invest in professional branding, some of the mistakes that I do see are things like spending maybe $50 going to Fiverr or Etsy. Um, there's definitely places for that. I'm not, you can use Fiverr for certain things, but I just don't personally think it's a great move for a brand because Megan, you could go to Etsy and buy a logo for your company. And tomorrow I could go and buy the same one and have my business name put on it. And then there's two logos out there in the world that are essentially the same with different words. So that's just not, if you really have big goals to grow and scale your business, I would rather you wait six more months and save a little bit more money to work with someone who does it professionally. So I think that's I great that, advice. That's a mis that's a mistake. I, I I really do think it's a mistake. I think, I mean, it's hard for me to be objective because 
I'm a designer, but for me, I, I can look at a logo and know if you work with a professional designer or if you had someone, if you bought it off someone. So I just think I would rather you wait, put a little money away each month and then find a designer that you really like that you found somewhere and you've checked out their website, you've checked out their Instagram, you're able to learn a little bit about them as a person and you're excited to work with that person. And I'd rather you give your money to that person and have a great experience and end up with something that you not only love now, but will love going forward. I think that's great advice. And that kind of leads into our next question. Like what's some advice for people who are looking to hire a graphic designer? What are things they should look for? First of all, I would try to do some own, your own research, whether that's on Pinterest or Google and just kind of figure out what you like. Even I always tell people, even if you don't know why you like it, just figure out what you like, what kind of logos you like, not even in the same industry. That's fine. Doesn't matter. Just make a board, compile, just start pinning things that logos that you like, fonts that you like, and then start researching designers, whether that's local in your area or connections you have. You can reach out to some of your other friends that maybe have a business and have had a logo made to see who they're working with. And then kind of cross-reference what you like and look at their work. They should have a portfolio of work on their website and then once you realize that the work would line up, I, I would recommend trying to learn a little bit more about them, reading about on their about page, seeing who they are, because you are going to talk to this person on the phone. You are going to, you know, put a part of your business in their hands and you want to make sure that it's a good fit. So that's, that's what I would try to look for if I were starting out and ready to invest. Um, Sarah, do you have, like, you were talking about the board, idea and we actually created a inspiration board for this podcast do you do that with every client or is that just something you do here and there it depends on how confident they are and what they want so sometimes I have people come and they say I want this type of font I want this type of mark I want these colors please make it for me (laughs) (laughs) and so I give them like iterations but they're all relatively similar within the scope of what they've given me. However, I also have people who are like, the only color I don't like is pink. The only font I don't like is Times New Roman. But other than that, like I have no preference. <laughs> oh yeah. That's not much direction. <laughs> so, so, but the, what they don't realize is that they do have a preference. They just don't know how to identify it. So that's typically when I'll say go to Pinterest or even just Google, find something, screenshot it, send it to me, put it in our Dropbox folder, just so I have a feel for what you like. Because even if you don't understand why you like it, by me seeing five, six, seven things or a full Pinterest board, I'll be able to get a better grasp of what you do like and be able to present something that's more in line with what they want in that first initial look at what I create for them. I love that. I think the Pinterest board really helped pull everything together for me and Megan. And when we did just my logo, it was a little bit different. But I think when you have multiple people working on the same project, it's easier to kind of pull all the ideas together. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've been talking a lot about like business stuff. So let's kind of get into some more personal things. How do you unwind after a busy work week and are there are certain self-care like rituals that you do every week? So let's see every week. I don't know, but I love watching like the same five TV shows 
over and over and over again. Me too. So that's kind of like my guilty pleasure. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if I have free time, honestly, right now, it is a miracle if I get an hour to watch TV. Um, and I just work so late at night because that's when Otto is asleep. So, um, so I do, I do enjoy watching TV. Uh, pre COVID, one of my guilty pleasures would be on the weekends. I just love to go and like window shop and try on clothes and just kind of have an afternoon out by myself and probably stop at Michael's and get Ugh, some crafting supplies for crafts. Amazing. That, who, knows, who knows if I'll ever do them, <laughs> but uh, those are the same things I like. I'm not a big, I think in today's world, when you say self-care, a lot of, I think you talked about this on your, the episode you guys did about that, but a lot of people think about taking a bath or yeah. things like that. I'm not a bath person. I'm not a spa person. I don't, really go get my nails done that often but I just kind of like going out and yeah just kind of doing some retail therapy <laughs> I'm all for it totally and I just want to add that Sarah has the most amazing plant collection I'm so jealous of your I wall I do like plants <laughs> I do like plants I would say that's my other hobby <laughs> I was gonna say I'm like I'm surprised she didn't mention her freaking plants like <laughs> Yeah, they've got they went on hold. I haven't bought a new plant since May. I'm proud of you. So yeah, they're I've kind of like plateaued. Now that now that Otto can walk, it's a, a waiting game to see how many of them get destroyed once he can get over there to them. <laughs> yep, I totally understand that because my dog has been trying to eat all of my plants, including my aloe plant, which are toxic to them. So I'm constantly yep. having to keep an eye on that. So I get yeah. it. With my cat, what is with it in these small <laughs> people and, and animals? My cat started digging into, we were outside on the patio one day and we had like a, just like a potter that was like full, full of dirt. Um, and like dirt we were going to use for something else. And we hear something and we're like, what? She was peeing in the dirt. Yeah. And so now she was like going inside and she was digging. We had to get rocks and put rocks all on our dirt because she was digging in them to try and go pee. Oh my gosh. I don't gosh. get it. I don't get it. That's too funny. But also to mention about the window shopping, one of my favorite things, exactly like you said, like Home Goods or TJ Maxx, like yes. going there by myself and just walking around and like touching things and like sniffing candles. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I miss doing yeah. that stuff. Yeah. I know. I do too. Vaccine, please hurry up and stab me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Okay, Sarah. Well, we're wrapping up the show. So why don't you tell our listeners how they can find you? Sure. So the best place and the place where I'm on the most is Instagram. And my handle on Instagram is just swell.design. So that's S-W-E-L-L period design. Um, and then I also have a Facebook page and my website is www.swelldesign.me, M-E. And yeah, but Instagram is where you can find me. That's where I like to talk to people and interact with people and yeah i would love love to have the listeners join us there yeah and you guys will link all of her contact information in our blog posts on our website so if you want to click a link you can head over there and her instagram guys is awesome especially like it's so fun i posted about this the other day on my instagram but seeing like if you're working with her on a project seeing her put on her to-do list like things for your project you're like oh 
<laughs> you feel like a little famous. <laughs> so yes, her Instagram is worth a follow. You get to see adorable photos of her cute little baby too. Well, I just want, before we wrap up, I just want to thank you guys and tell you guys how much I appreciate you and admire both of you. And yeah, so happy to be the first person on your podcast. Oh, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) So sweet. (laughs) We couldn't possibly have chosen anybody else to be the first guest. Like it would have been, we would have had to stop the podcast if we chose anybody else. We decided that when we started, we were like, Sarah's going to be our first interview. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Well, Sarah, thanks for coming on and you guys will see you next week. Bye, everybody.